Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Prism Podcast. We tell the stories the Hollywood won't, and I am your host, Rodrigo Mariano. Hope you guys are doing well this evening. Across from me is Richard Lathrop, aka Ghost Snaps, whose newest single, So High, comes out. I'm recording this on Sunday, but by the time this is released, comes out today. Well, how are you doing, Ghost Snaps, Richard? Dude, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's uh, it's it's good to see you on Zoom right now, Rod. I feel like I saw you like more than I have in like the past six months, this past week, which is so nice. Right. It was great to see Rod. We are uh, funny enough. It feels like we're going full circle here. I was just going back the other day, uh, and I'll send I'll send you a link to like include in the rundown if you want. Um, you were on my technical podcast, a radio show that I did like a year and a half ago. <laughs> yeah, dude. And I went back and I listened to that episode. And uh, you did a guest mix, like an hour-long guest mix, and it was insanely fire, dude. Thank you, dude. Yeah, I think about that a lot, like, especially when I was um, starting up this whole entire joint with Alex Versanthopoulos. Like, yeah, (laughs) I was definitely thinking about the moment when I hopped in on your radio show a lot. Because that was really, really, really fun. Um, Yeah, that show was a ton of fun. It was just, like, it was always, like, getting every week to, like, hear someone else's, like, music taste entirely, and that was just so cool. Of course, of course. Have you been listening to anything good lately? Yeah, actually, um, oh, I heard really refreshing album yesterday. Um, Versace, uh, the Canadian like kind of bedroom pop artist, almost mm-hmm. this insane album on um, Friday, last Friday. Now for everyone listening to this, that um, it was like it was like fifty six minutes straight through, and there's very few times now where I feel like I can like listen to a fifty six minute album and like be engulfed the entire time and i literally i did not skip one second of that album I really and that same afternoon too like it's just it's insanely good 56 minutes is hefty but i've been fucking with versace since like waiting for you yeah yeah and then i always liked his zach Ferracci stuff which was like the ukulele heavy like beats mm-hmm. uh, and then i kind of i fell into the versace stuff like two years ago and it's just it's so good Girls go crazy. Yeah. Girls go crazy for Versace. Oh, and it's crazy because, I like... go crazy for Versace, man. <laughs> oh, Richard. Like, the thing is, like, you don't really hear his name thrown around a lot when people talk about, like, artists in general, but this dude has, like, such a huge following. Like, just, like, an on-set following. You never know, like, how influential someone is until just, like, a weird thing happens. Like, it hit me. Zane Lowe, um, the Apple Music guy, mm-hmm. is on TikTok. And he was talking through the week's releases and, like, right before he says he's like this is why it's such a good week in music and he's plugging like the new charlie xcx and like the bruno mars and uh anderson fox silk sonic record and then he's like oh and then canadian producer versace got a full album coming out and it's like that's to get that recognition like you never realize i feel like now and that's part of like what i think is so cool about music right now is that i believe he's independent yeah kind of like make waves like that just like being independent yeah, he's, like, independent and, like, totally DIY, which is crazy. And that's really, like, the whole entire music scene, like, nowadays. Would you say that as a yeah. person in the music scene? Yeah, I feel like especially in the past year, really, TikTok shook things up a lot. Like, I was thinking about it. Uh, we're just about, what, probably a year and a half, two years away from Old Town Road and, like, Roxanne and songs like that having blown up on TikTok. And those were, like, the first time, I think, where, like, major labels saw that and were like this could be a thing and they invested in it but now there's artists like versace and people like that who don't go with the major label and stay independent and kind of just build a team around themselves like that and it's just like it's a whole route that i feel like no one knew we could take like two years ago it's crazy yeah yeah totally how how do you approach this whole entire new wave of like social media and promo this is a totally new game than it was merely like 
two years ago. Yeah, it's weird because I feel like two years ago, really, everyone was just like, oh, put up some Facebook and Instagram ads and then just let your song go. And now I feel like it's like it has to be a whole thing. And I've been trying to figure that out with my own music, really, because there's certain things where you can do when you get big enough where you can do like more massive like poster campaign stuff like that but right now it's kind of just like you have to you have to come up with that social media strategy for yourself like i know what i do always is i never post on instagram and i just post on instagram (laughs) around when i release something like every time i'll have like three or four posts in a row because i just dropped something and then i'll just go quiet for like six months and then it's just back to it why do you think that's an effective strategy i'm just curious yeah i always see it as effective because i feel like um i heard from someone a long time ago that instagram favors you if you post like really frequently like multiple times a week or if you never post at all so it's like yesterday when i posted for the first time like i got a bunch of people sending me like screenshots of the notification that's like at it posted for the first time in a while and that's clutch that's literally like that's better than paying for advertising you're literally getting a notification sent to people's phones being like hey click on this post insane yeah, totally. And I commented, I boosted that algorithm, of course, got to support the local artists and whatever. Thank you. Appreciate that. So let's start from the beginning here. Like, who is Ghost Snaps? How did this this whole entire charade come about? I've known you for a bit now. And like, we always talk about music when we're together, but I don't really know the origin story of Mr. Naps here. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Naps. <laughs> um, no, uh, it's it was a it was a weird thing. I was funny enough. Um, I'm 20 now. Sorry, I'm not 20. I'm I'm 19 now. Oh, <laughs> my uh, God, Richard! I forgot my own age for a second there. Um, and I got in the music industry uh, almost nine years ago. Literally by just for, like handing out flyers for EDM shows in my hometown to get into like these all ages EDM shows for free. Uh, and I worked from there and I just like, I saw these people DJing and I was like, I want to do that. Looking at people like Skrillex and people like that at the time. Um, so I started from ground zero. I met a guy named uh, DJ Food Stamp through my parents in my hometown, who's actually from around here. He's from Maine. And uh, he basically, he's like a classic vinyl DJ. And like, he makes beats on like an Akai. Like he's like, he's very old school with everything. And he basically taught me how to DJ on vinyl nothing Whoa. like besides just a record so like with that you're like you're fully having to like, it's crazy i was thinking about it the other day uh on like a record player you have like the little like the little arm in the middle that the record sits on and back in the day to change tempo like now i just have like like right now i have my hand on it right now i just have like a a tempo slider where i can just change my tempo in like a second back when i was learning i literally would have to like hold the center of the record and I could speed it down like two or three BPM at a time by doing that. Like, it's just, it's crazy. Like it's, it's a whole different world. So basically he taught me that fully. And then I moved from there to DJing on vinyl, but with like Serato, like with software. So I could drag in songs that like he didn't have on vinyl essentially. And then from there I switched to fully digital. And um, at that point when I was doing all this DJing stuff, on there, I heard about this DJ software that wasn't really supposed to be DJ software, more like production side software uh, called Ableton. And I got like the intro copy. It came like with some weird thing that I saved up for and bought back then. And I started trying to produce music after realizing that you couldn't really DJ in Ableton. And uh, yeah, now I've been doing it for eight nine years now and then uh funny enough i actually now i figured out how to dj in ableton it was the, <laughs> that was like the final thing where i was like i can say i mastered ableton after i can figure out how to dj in it and now i dj fully in ableton so 
That's rad. That, that's, that really is quite the story, quite the journey to get over here. Like, so like, what's beyond this? What's, what's the goal here? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Cause, um, it's been, it's been an interesting time these past couple of years. Um, especially with, um, so I feel like really I met this guy a couple of years ago named Khalil Romeo, who I've worked on a bunch of stuff with. And before meeting him and working on just like a bunch of different music with him, uh, I really like, I'd never like collaborated with people before that point. And now since then, um, I've literally just been like every record I make, it's like, it feels like if I'm not working on it with like four or five different people, at least it's like not a record. <laughs> like really that's an interesting perspective yeah it feels like it, i just love now just kind of like getting those different perspectives of having like different people in a room and working on stuff and even just like sending it to a friend and having them just like send back a page of feedback just being like here's what i think you can change about this it's just like i feel like making music and doing anything creative is such a collaborative thing and i feel like that's also where like this past year has been so weird with uh with with covid because it's, yeah. it's so hard to get in person with people like in the past year other than working with khalil uh, quite a handful of times i we had one other day where khalil and i were in the studio and we had two other people come through and we were all like wearing masks the entire time and like sitting really far apart and that's the session where we actually wrote um holding on to something but, um, but yeah uh it was just like it's it's rough with with covid i feel like especially because like myself i really like i don't have that much of a traditional music background and most of the stuff that i come up with is off of like stuff i find like a sample i'll find on a record or like just like being in a place or meeting different people and stuff like that i'm very like inspired by what's happening around me i feel like and there's just been none of that with covid <laughs> when it comes to music like I'm curious, is there ever like a stump, like the equivalent of writer's block when it comes to finding melodies? Or is there constantly like new things, new materials that you could find just by sifting through samples and all of that? Like, is it on demand, basically your ideas? Or would you say like there are times in which shit becomes stagnant yeah. for one reason or another? Uh, so I, I, came out with, uh, I came out with an album uh, in last march literally almost a year ago i submitted the finals like i think yesterday a year ago which is crazy um back when none of us knew that we'd be in a pandemic now <laughs> back when uh back when everything was normal uh and at that point right after i like basically clicked submit on the album i just hit like a period of like three months of just i probably wrote two like beats in three months following that because i i had the album come out and it got like decently good feedback and then it was just like i i was so planning on like touring and i had this whole live setup and i was just gonna play as many shows as i could and then it just like felt like all of a sudden like as much as as much as i i had it far better with covid than 99.9 percent .9 of the population but it felt like in a weird way that you just like had something just like torn away from you like that it was just like i had this whole plan and it just like it stuff doesn't go to plan always really um and it, it took a couple months there it was a couple months of me just sitting here just like i had i was coming up with crazy melodies and people were sending me demos and i just like i could not work on anything i just couldn't for the life of me like find that like creative drive really so how do you bounce back during the pandemic 
Like, yeah, so, what was the key? Is there even a key to bouncing back during the pandemic? That's such a broad thing I like, that I don't think like anyone's really figured out yet. Yeah, I feel like there isn't because I feel like it's just like it's no one knows how to deal with this situation. But really, what it was for me is um, I just kind of just like 180 on myself because I was writing like the same like very chill like almost lo-fi type stuff for forever and I just kind of like I I was trying to write that is what I was noticing in myself like I was only trying to write that and I was just like I just want to go and write some stuff and just like have fun and I did that uh I started to do that and it was like it was a whole learning curve because I was like writing stuff in different genres different whatever and I was having to learn like how to structure stuff and how to write stuff and how to recreate sounds that I liked but um once I got on that a little bit it was like around July I started making stuff that I was like a fan of and that felt so incredibly nice. And then it was like right after that I wrote. So um, I'll let, uh, I'll let, I'll let you and the listeners in on the, on the plan here. It was very nice. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I'm for the first time in my life, I'm like six months ahead on music, Really, but I'm, but I'm six months ahead in the way of like, I'm six months ahead for whenever we're out of the pandemic. <laughs> like, like whenever we're out of the pandemic, I got a year and a half mapped out. Of music. <laughs> but like until then, I'm just kind of like, I'm figuring it out day by day. Um, because I started writing like this crazy house stuff that I love, but it's the kind of thing where um, everyone around me is like, you got to drop this. Like, this is my favorite stuff from you I've ever heard and stuff like that. But it sucks because it's like, I don't want to drop it until I can be there like playing it live to people because that's like a part of I feel like the whole thing behind house music is like one of my favorite subgenres in EDM but I feel like it's just it's such a genre for the live atmosphere and I feel yeah. like dropping like some really high energy house music like for the first time in the life of this project while everyone's like stuck inside at home is just like just not good doesn't hit doesn't hit the same way no. would you say that like the pandemic is reflected in the music that you're currently making right now in the way is it like super super exaggerated that's uh that's hard to say uh, i really i feel like i'm gonna only be able to know that when we're out of the pandemic because i can see the response of the people yeah and see and see also like what i make at that point like when we're back to shows and back to everything like that because i feel like i was thinking about this the other night some of my favorite songs I like have ever written were like right after a show or right after some stuff like that. And I just haven't had that in like so long. Like even I've played, I've had, I've been lucky enough to play like multiple live streams at this point, I think five or six at this point. Um, and they're just, they are not shows. <laughs> they are just like so incredibly weird is the only thing <laughs> you could use. Like they just, it feels like alien almost. Cause you're just like the, there were two that really hit me. Um, <laughs> the first one that I ever did was, uh, it was, it was my own one. It was for, um, this charity food filling County in my hometown. And, um, this was like, this was like May back when all of us were like, just finally like, all right, maybe we can have like two or three of us in a room to do this. And it was, um, Khalil, uh, this guy, Mason, uh, who's Mason DeForest, incredible R and B singer from my hometown go check out his stuff. Uh, and then, both of our camera guys and all of us were like 10 feet apart in this room 
I was like, like, they were all 10 feet apart. I'm probably 25 feet away from them. I cannot even like see anybody's faces. We're all wearing masks. And I just look out like right after I start playing and I'm just like, I'm literally playing to like, I would rather be playing to a venue with three people there that I like can't engage than play to this right now. <laughs> Damn. Incredibly awkward. And it's not on anybody's fault. It's just like, it's a part of just like, just looking into a camera and just like an empty room that it's just like, it's, it's so draining. And I also feel like I've had artists tell me that they're just like, Oh yeah, we can't like get the same energy or whatever when we're playing a live stream. And I completely agree. Like I'm completely on that same thing. And then I have other people that I know who've been doing these live streams and are like insanely energetic and everything. And I genuinely have like asked a lot of them, like, how, <laughs> like, how do you do that? Like, I wish I could, but it's, it's, it's a balanced thing of energy and also not seeming like dead while you're, while you're playing these live streams. Yeah, a huge part of like performing in general is just like reflecting from audience reaction. And I guess you're not really getting too much of an audience reaction when it's just like a camera and like two other people in the background, probably. But especially with like everyone who was always at all of them for me, besides yeah. the last one that I did like two weeks ago, they're like they're like all like my good friends. Like they know all the material that I'm gonna be playing. They know everything. They're there when I'm like workshopping through it and everything. So it's just like at that point if I like look out and like try to judge their reaction or try to judge if some transition was like crazy or whatever, it's just flat. Cause like they've heard that stuff like 10 times at least. So mm -hmm. there's just no, like there's no reaction. Like when you're playing to a crowd. Yeah. But you did do that live stream like two weeks ago through Twitch with like Spectre visual, right? Visual, right? Yeah. And that's, that was pretty interesting to be a part of like a Twitch stream in which people were interacting from the school and whatnot. It's just like a whole different vibe. Like I don't really, really know how to explain it. Just like watching somebody you're directly like communicating with them through your phone while you're doing your set. That's the most interaction that you're going to get. It is. And it's really unique doing that too. With like the fact that I feel like also like, I'm based here now at school here in Boston. And then I'm also like, I'm from the West coast. And it's the thing where like friends on like the West coast and like people that follow my stuff on the West coast can like watch something at the same time as people can here, which is insane. Like, I, I love that. Um, it's just like, I feel like, I feel like the live streams, they're going to stick around in some way, but I know that like, I feel like what would be cool and what would be a cool like feature um, for the whole live stream thing, BCE, <laughs> if we could um if we could like have venues have like online tickets be able to be sold so like if there's like a show here that i can't be here to see but like i want to stream it i can pay like half the ticket price and like watch it online versus being there or something like that but i don't know that's a it's a whole thing with artists too because i know a lot of artists don't want their stuff to be able to be like recorded in high quality like that yeah, no, that makes sense. And I feel like that's a thing that would only happen if like the pandemic raged on for like way, way, way longer. But it is like definitely like an interesting idea. I think like Joji did like a live experience, which included like tickets and all of that when he came out with Nectar. And like he even had certain times in which it would be broadcast. I don't know if it was live or not, but definitely it's interesting to see how artists are tackling this sort of thing either through their music or the way that they're performing like distribution and all of that and the thing is like there's definitely apprehension to even like release music right now i know like a lot of artists who are slated to put out stuff in like 2020 push their stuff all the way to the back end of this year kendrick because yeah kendrick so they could perform everything live 
But are they going to be able to is the other question. That's the thing. Like they can only hold off for so long, right? Yeah. I read this thing. Um, I always, I always hate talking about COVID on the air, but at the same time, it's always, uh, it's always fun. Cause it's like in five years from now, we can look back at this and we can either be like, ah, the world is on fire and we were so dumb. Or we can look back at it and be like, oh, I remember COVID. <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically like uh i was i was reading something yesterday uh and then i saw something on tiktok that said the same thing um this tiktok is the only accurate news source nowadays i get all my news of course on twitter at this point um it, it said that like right now we're in like phase one of the pandemic and we're in this phase until like the end of 2021 and then 2022 is like our herd immunity phase and then basically we're going to be in like this post-pandemic phase until 2024 which is when it's going to be like what they're saying with like the roaring twenties getting a revival. And like, also the thing that I read that made a lot of sense is that because of these like vaccines being developed and stuff like that, we're also going to see like incredible, super fast, like medical developments because like governments and everything are going to put a ton of money into medicine because they don't want something like this to happen again. So they're going to try to like get ahead of it as much as we can. So uh, that's, that's interesting. But at the same time, I look at like, we're in these post-pandemic phases with that until 2024. It's like, that's insane. <laughs> How does that factor into your, like, your cycle of doing live shows and touring? Yeah, I really don't know. And that's- Like, how do you determine, like, when is the right time to actually go out and do this stuff again? Yeah, I, that's what I'm wondering right now, because it's it's really like you go to Florida or Texas or anywhere like that right now, and you could be playing full-capacity shows with no masks and it's just like it's a kind of state where like i've gotten some offers in the past six months especially to do these like in-person type shows and i've just always said no because i just i don't want to i don't want to like be putting people at risk like it's not worth it to come and see me dj for an hour and kill 10 people from i'll see you wow it's just 10 people richard (laughs) i'm joking i'm joking (laughs) no yeah um it just it's the kind of thing where like i personally i don't want to do anything until it's like a hundred percent safe really but um it's like at a certain point i feel like if stuff doesn't get better sadly because of like how society works we're just going to be back to it and people are just going to kind of just like not care but i, I don't want to do anything until i feel 100 percent confident in like it being 100 percent safe really so how do you so how do you take advantage of the situation right now in like the, the best way that you can artists like you yeah i feel like versus like a major artist it's like uh, you're, i'm just kind of out here just like on my own trying to figure out what to do and it's been it's been hard and it took me as i said like a couple months to get into it but um over time i realized more that the way to do it is just to like focus on the parts of like my craft that i normally wouldn't because i feel like before this past year I was really like I was just kind of comfortable with like where I was production wise and stuff like that and I wasn't trying to like further myself but now in like the past year in the time that I haven't been spending on like putting sets together and playing shows and doing stuff like that I spent the time to like watch YouTube tutorials again and just like figure out how to make different sounds and just kind of like further myself production wise um so that's been really really refreshing and on top of that as I was saying I DJ in Ableton and I had this whole live setup. I developed an Ableton that was very, it was very janky to say it. Well, um, it, it didn't work great. And um, there was a lot of time and a lot of effort put into it by a lot of different people. But it was just the kind of thing where like, 
I was never really fully happy with it because it just kind of like it didn't give me as much of an ability to like improv and stuff like that as I wanted to have. So for the past month here, I've been working on completely revamping that too. I put in like probably a little over 70 hours already and I'm just going to keep putting in more and more and more until it's at a point where I'm comfortable in it. So I feel like it's stuff like that really where like I wouldn't have been able to take that time off in the past to just be like, I want to completely rework this live rig or stuff like that because it would be like feel like I was going to become irrelevant in like the touring and everything like that spectra of it uh i I just fumbled my words there might be Uh, (laughs) um, but really it just it feels like you can spend time to just like work on your craft like that like the last single i released was in october and now i'm releasing another single in what it's march now um so that's like five months and normally i would like i would never ever do that but uh, it just, it feels like you can kind of take some more time, even though now I'm on the, the rollout thing again, I'm going to be doing a single every two months, I'm hoping at this point, but uh, just kind of, kind of keep on it now at this point. Yeah, exactly. And I hope when like shit gets back to normal, you could finally take advantage of everything. It really sucks that there's so much music over the past year that I want to see live that I'm not going to be hearing for like a very, very long time. Even when it comes to going to clubs and just like hearing these songs, like eternal attack or like all that future nostalgia shit. Yeah. It just sucks that I can't hear that stuff with people in an audience, like at a party or anything to like fuck shit up to. And that's like the harsh reality of like, covid there, there's such a lack of human connection and there is it's, so it's really hard for musicians like you guys <laughs> you guys are really going through it yeah no it's 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 rough and of course so many people have it so much worse than music of course of course yeah people dying and everything like that so part of it is like wherever i listen to an interview like musicians are complaining about covid it's like i get it and i feel you but it's like at the same time we all just really need to like not be pushing ourselves to like do these shows and stuff like that to just kind of like make it so we can get back to doing it in person as fast as we can really. But no, uh, I'm, I'm thinking I'm the most stoked after this week to, I just want to hear this, uh, this, this silk Sonic Anderson Pock Bruno Mars thing in person. Uh, to, to my- it would be incredible. Oh my God. I could only imagine bro. Because they're both just like incredible performance performers in their own right. It would just be like, absolute magic to see both of them I would be doing the silk sonic record that we haven't even heard yet that we know is incredible oh it's gonna be the album of the year don't even don't even <laughs> there. yeah though. okay so so going back to like the beginning again which i started talking about earlier then drifted off into like a whole entire yeah, covid discourse <laughs> but how did you start touring? How did you go from a place where you're like playing with beats on your computer to the point where like, oh yeah, I'm going to start doing this. And how do you approach it? How do you approach marketing? How do you approach venues to do this sort of thing? That's like a big jump. Yeah. I always call it touring, but really it's more just like, I, I use that cause it's like the industry word. Like that's what I use in my work every day. It's like our artists go on like and play three shows and we're just like, oh yeah, they're touring right now. It's just like, it's the classic thing. But, um, really just more more starting playing shows um it's it's brutal it's uh and, and i'm scared about after covid because it's like we'll be back to like having to do this where it's like um when uh when i started playing shows it's like you're playing in these venues at like door opening slots like i had some nights where like 
literally I would start playing and like the doors hadn't even opened at a venue yet. So you're just playing to like the venue staff at that point. But um, it's brutal. And you, and you work through that for a long time. And then it kind of, I was lucky enough to uh, be involved in a production company in my hometown um, doing their marketing. And then from there, be able to do some shows on my own and stuff like that, where I could kind of like bump myself up in the set list a little bit more, a little bit further um, and get to those audiences. But like now it's the kind of thing where when I play to an audience, whether it's like, like literally at this point after COVID, I'd be fine with playing to 10 people or a thousand people. It's just like, it's equally as fun uh, is what I really learned. Cause like back in the day, I feel like I'd play to like 10 people at like an opening slot of the venue and you would leave and you would just feel like kind of sad. And then in the past year, especially with COVID, and like right before it was also hitting me where it was just like some of the most fun shows I played were some of those smaller ones because they're just so much more like intimate and so much more fun. And it's like you really feel like you're like playing to the crowd because like normally I feel like when I'm playing like one of the big shows, I'll look three places. I'll look one person on my left, one person on the center and one person on the right. And I'll just use those people to like judge who like the audience is but then if you're playing to 10 people i can just look at all 10 people after every time i make a transition and just be like all right well like three of them didn't like that so let me see what mm. you to like it's so much more interactive i feel like interesting so like once you have a really really small base of like followers how do you how do you expand that how do you expand the ghost naps brand really yeah i feel like for me it was really just kind of staying consistent on shows because i feel like the weird thing about the ghost snap stuff always has been that like the music until this point was very like laid back and relaxed. And then the live shows were like really aggressive, like, like nonstop, just like super fast transitions, like just like very like polar opposites. And I still, I loved it. Um, I like, <laughs> it was the first festival I ever got the chance to play. It was in my hometown, the university of Oregon. And uh, they did Write up, write up on me in like the, the U of O's newspaper and uh, the article was just like uh, it was all about just like I can't wait to hear Richard drop his chill beats on the on the stage on, the, on this time and then I show up and I just drop like hard EDM for 45 minutes and the oh my God. after me is just playing like chill rock shit and I'm just like they had no idea <laughs> but like it, it happens like that I'm definitely excited now coming back after COVID to be coming out with some more high energy music and hopefully have it kind of just like click with people like that more. Cause that's always been kind of a, kind of an issue there. I feel like in a few ways, but at the same time, I love it. And I always say that, um, I always call my, my DJ sets like no genre DJ sets. Cause like, I always find that like EDM is like split up into all these different genres. Like there's tech house and there's deep house and there's future house. And there's, there's like, there's 50 different genres in the house spectrum, but I'm just like, just like EDM to me is so fluid. We're all just making music that's just beeps and boops between eight <laughs> and twenty-eight BPM. Really, so it's just like if we all just like like you can you can mix between EDM genres. Like in the live stream two weeks ago, I played like some hard bass stuff into like rap stuff into like future bass, super cute stuff like that. Like I just kind of just like I find it more fun and more of like. A challenge to myself and also like more fun to the audience if you're like changing it up so it's like it's all based on the same thing it's all four on the floor super simple patterns like edm yeah no totally 
Because, like, I don't know if you've ever, like, been to a club or anything and heard a DJ who's playing, like, only Deep House for, like, two hours. That shit pains me, dude. <laughs> when it's just, like, 128 BPM house stuff for, like, two hours. After, like, 30 minutes of that, I just feel like myself is, like, it's partially because of, like, the fact that all of us now have such short attention spans in this generation because of, like, TikTok and stuff like that. Like, when, when I see a minute TikTok now, dude, half of the time I get five seconds in and I look at the bar and I just scroll. Because I'm like, I'm not watching a minute of this, like, whatever this is. Um, but I feel like, like, really just, like, hearing, like, a singular genre for, like, that much time, just, like, for me personally, I just, like, I don't have, like, the attention span for that. So I feel like I just kind of just, like, developed this whole style of DJing that so many other people do. So it's not like my style um, or anything, but uh, it's just like super, just like fast paced, changing stuff up as much as I can, changing up BPM, changing up everything. It's like, yeah. Honestly, like respect for that. Um, I know there's like a ton of artists who just stick to one thing and just like ride that on their whole entire careers. How do you, evolve your sound how do you like over the past nine years progressed the definition of ghost snaps and and what you do as an artist yeah i feel like it's been cool because um my tastes have of course changed a lot in the past nine years and then also at the same time like i feel like the the music industry and everything has changed and also like the tech has changed and as i've also like gotten better at producing and new stuff has come out and stuff like that i feel like the cool thing is now it's like if i hear a sound like I can make that sound roughly at this point, which I really love. And I feel like that's really like with that coming to me, like probably four years ago here, I started making stuff that I was like more and more of a fan of. Cause it wasn't like I was just using like, just like a grand piano preset in Ableton. Cause like, that's all I knew how to use. It's like, now I know how to like use a wavetable synthesizer, like serum or stuff like that to like make the exact sound that I want to make which is just so cool, so unique there. And I feel like that's also like where all this like digital music stuff nowadays is so much cooler than anything we've ever had before in music. Cause like, if you know how to play the guitar, you can use like effects pedals and stuff like that to alter the sound a little bit. But if you know how to like produce music in Ableton, you can play like 200 plus instruments. You can play whatever you want really, which is just so cool. So when did you feel like you were open to actually collaborating rather than just doing your own thing with beat tapes and stuff? Was that always the intention when you started making music to eventually go that route? Or did you just realize it when you're like, oh, I'm getting bored doing just beat tapes. I'm going to start fucking it up with vocals and shit. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't even really getting bored. It just kind of, it happened in a weird way. Um, a good friend of mine, uh, Drew Orlick, I Town. Um, he, we, uh, we, we were out like, getting coffee one day, and he's just like, "Oh, you should meet this friend of mine. His name's uh, his name's Khalil." And I'm like, "What's like, what's his actual name?" And he's like, "Oh, Khalil Romeo." And I and I look him up, and I'm just like, "Oh, I've been following this guy for forever." So he gives me his number, um, and we start like texting back and forth a little bit. And he's just like, "Oh, come through like Friday night at like 8 p.m." And he texts me this address, and it's like this warehouse in the middle of nowhere in Eugene and I'm just like, all right, I'm going to die. <laughs> but um, I, uh, I went and uh, literally like that same night, we, we sat there for like probably two and a half, three hours, just like talking about music and like showing each other different music and doing stuff like that. And then I played him through a bunch of beats and um, 
we ended up deciding on the beat that was uh it became the song Tendaline off my album and stuff like that like instantly um it was a very rough demo version then we had a couple more sessions and then we finished that and then from there we just kind of kept working on stuff on occasion um we even have some stuff kind of sitting around some ghost snaps cooler romeo stuff there's one that we finished just well i finished like a week ago fire but um yeah that was just kind of the first time but it was just kind of like completely at random it was just like i feel like we both got into like the same studio and we were just kind of like vibing with each other and liked where each other were from like a creative standpoint and we were just like oh let's try out some stuff and then that was that was the start of it and then from there i kind of branched out more and just kind of like been more open with like showing people stuff and like asking for help or like kind of just like reaching out to other people that are like in my relative circles and being like hey I like what you're doing here like you want to send me the stems or whatever and I'll try like a version of it or anything like that just kind of gotten more open with that and more open just kind of like sending stuff to people even if it's like just take a cold email to an artist I like and being like hey you want to check out this project whatever like it's kind of just got more open there well, so what's the key to collaboration? What, what do you think that is? We're trying to figure that out. Um, I feel like to a certain point, it's just like being on the same page with somebody. And it is so useful to like when you're going into a session. Because I feel like a lot of the times in a lot of the sessions like I've been in with other artists, it's like you never get anything done until like the last like 10% of the session. Really? The same page. Where I feel like, like if you walk in and you like have a conversation about like, all right, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I want to do, and everyone's like on the same page and everyone like gets to say what they're feeling before making something. Like it's just a better process, Loki. You're starting to cut out there a little bit. Can you say that again? The last like sentence, really. Yeah, no. It just like, it kind of just like makes everything a better process if like everybody's on the same page like that. Like it just kind of makes things and stuff like that everyone like kind of knows what the group's like goal is that makes sense totally i feel like it's way different when it comes to music than something like film or even just like doing class projects because music is i don't know it it rests so much on there's only so much you could do with a lot of people. Like I know that you do ghost producing sometimes and that requires you not even getting like credit on songs and just being like paid off. How does that work? Like how does the whole entire business aspect behind the scenes work when you're working on something, but not actually working on something? Yeah, no, it's, um, it's just like a kind of thing that I, I fell into a couple of years ago. It's just like putting stuff up on things like beat stars and stuff like that, where people can like, buy your beats and i would just kind of like put stuff up on there for like 10 bucks and people would like buy it and a lot of the time i would like go and try and hear stuff and stuff started getting more and more plays and then some people started reaching out to me like hey can i buy like an exclusive license and i started saying yes and then i started working with more and more people like that uh and i i really like that side because it's it's definitely cool when you're like making something and you know that like it's not gonna get tied back to you and i feel like that's also what really helped me especially in like the last year, like expanding my own sound, to like this house stuff and stuff like that was working with like other people and getting to talk to other people and like hear their visions and like learn how to make the sounds that they wanted. But I feel like then when I kind of like started to figure out the sound that I wanted and I couldn't really like fully describe it to myself, I was kind of 
just like more used to just like kind of just making different weird stuff that's like kind of outside of my comfort zone there mm-hmm. that sounds like a grind making beats for like those kind of outlets would you say like every producer and dj should try to bring their beats out in that sort of way i'm not really sure how that process works but yeah i always recommend to people to sign up for like things like beat stars and other platforms like that because like it's really just like even if you don't love it uh it's just like a kind of thing where i know like myself just sitting on my laptop i have like hundreds of just like random beats and it's like even if i don't like it there could be someone someday that like finds it and loves it like i believe it was on beat stars that um little nas x found the beat for old town road just literally on beat stars so you really never know what's going to happen with something on one of those like someone could hear a beat that you thought was absolute garbage and buy it for 10 bucks and make a number one chart topping single <laughs> just because they have like a good idea for a hook um but i always think about them just like if someone was just to like use a beat like that and like it was to be like an old town road type thing like at that point like you like what's the ethics there like can you reach out to them and be like hey can i get some credit here or is that just like still you just kind of have to just like stand back <laughs> mm-hmm. i don't know i feel like it's not it's not talked about much and um have not have not been in one of those situations yet luckily but we'll see we'll see maybe one day <laughs> yeah no that sounds kind of terrifying okay having to hurdle through all of those like business issues when it comes to music i can't really imagine or fathom yeah no it's definitely it's a whole other side of it that so many people don't talk about and i feel like also um to 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 segue here uh i have uh just like the fact that so many musicians i feel like so music is like the creative thing and then there's the whole business side and so many people nowadays, especially when they like blow up on TikTok or something like that, they're just like pressured into like signing a record deal. And I think that that's like such a downside in the music industry. And I've been kind of realizing more and more the older I get here and the closer I get to like the real world, it's something I want to really focus on in like the next couple of years here is just kind of like figuring out ways to make things more fair and more transparent there. Because like really, if you're getting a record deal right now, unless you hire a lawyer and have someone look at a contract that knows exactly what they're looking for, you're gonna probably be tricked into something that you don't exactly want. And um, yeah, it's it's so rough because you see all these artists just getting like absolutely taken advantage of right now. Uh, so I feel like in the next uh, in the next year and year and a half, two years here, I have some uh, I have some big plans that are coming up. Some stuff that hopefully will be good for my own career and also for a lot of people around me because uh, I always feel like I really like I'm, I'm so thankful for all the musicians from my hometown that I've met here and places like that for everything that they've done for me so I always like to give back as much as I can and like kind of just like get people in on these crazy projects because also so many of these people like I come to them with these crazy ideas all the time like in April pretty much when I went out to like 10, I went out to 10 acts in my hometown and I was like, hey, do you want to play this live stream thing? Like, it's this whole crazy idea. I've never done it before. I have no idea how to do it, but like, I'm going to figure it out. And literally out of the 10 acts that I hit up, all 10 hit me back and we're like, absolutely, let's do it. Which is insane. Like, I look at that and I'm just like, just like, cannot say thank you enough to all those people for like, oh, he's just believing in these ridiculous ass ideas of mine that 
half of the time work out and half the time don't. Well, at least you throw them out there. That's the thing. Yeah, I feel like it's just kind of like, especially right now with COVID, it's been so fun to just kind of get to like mess around with these ideas more and just kind of like think through things more. Um, I definitely, this first project that I have that I'm, that I'm working on right now is uh, definitely like the biggest thing I've ever done, but I got a, I got a great team around it still. I got uh, some partners at a bigger company that I was talking to a decent amount this week that really like the idea behind it even though it's a very, like, it's an extreme BCE-type disruptor idea. Really? Uh, we, can, we can talk about it more off-air. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy ambitious, but it's, like, it's starting at, like, phase zero, like, ground level. And I'm hoping that in the next, like, two, three years here, it can be built up to, like, even, like, phase one or two. Uh, and then hopefully some things catch on, really, in the industry outside of it. But uh, Interesting. Richard, that would be big moves. We'll see. We'll see. It's uh, it's it's also so nice because it's like, I'm not just in the business side. Like I have the whole artist project and stuff like that. It's so like for a lot of the stuff that's like more business wise, but needs like artists needs music and needs stuff like that. Like I can provide that to a certain extent to kind of like do like a proof of concept to be like, hey, this is not an absolute ridiculous idea. And that's also what's partially nice about like being independent and being an artist and stuff like that. You can just kind of do what you feel like i'm just curious if someone were to take a deal with like a record label what would good terms look like as an artist like what who is familiar with this sort of stuff what would be ideal for someone who's up and coming because they can't really negotiate for like they're like masters or anything can they you can to a point but um not like fully and i feel like a part of what the best deal is right now if you're independent and you're blown up right now no deal at all <laughs> just get good management get a good booking agent get good like everyone around you and then just try and if you're going out to labels try and sign like one single or two singles to a label um or like one single with the option to add on another if like it's mutually beneficial to both parties just like i feel like now especially without like because another thing that a lot of record labels can kind of help you with a little bit is getting you in with those bigger artists that are signed to them and getting you on those tours and stuff like that. But uh, right now there's none of that. It's like, you might get some love on TikTok and a verification check or something like that, but you're not gonna get like any percent of the benefits you could even get like before COVID really. Yeah, 100%. And like being independent is kind of like the wave now anyways. Everyone is trying to get out of their contracts and all of that because everything's so fucked up. It really is like Versace now. And you look at like, um, I believe still Woozy is still independent and people like that, that are just like, you look at them and they can just, they can do whatever they want. And it's like, it does suck a little bit when like, you don't have that label to give you the $10,000 budget for a music video or whatever. Um, but at the same time, like, even if you get that money for a music video or anything like that, that in 99% of record deals, you'll have to pay back in some way or another regardless. So it's like, you might as well just kind of just like finance it yourself and figure out how to do stuff like that. Um, then really go with the label perspective of it. Yeah. Just find like a good manager, someone to book stuff for you and then you're off. But I feel like those resources are so scarce. How do you even go about finding like a team to do what you want to do? Yeah. That's, that's a part of what's hard. All the people that I know who have management that they work really well with, it was all just kind of like, 
by luck, like they knew someone who had a friend or someone just like reached out to them and they had some calls and they kind of like meshed well and just stuff like that. Like it, it's really like completely random. Like I feel like you can't really just like, like managers are, it's hard, it's hard to find someone who you're on the same page with completely. But um, once you do, it's like, it's, it's great. Right now I actually just, uh, I've been with a couple months with uh, with one of Rod and I's good friends here, Matt, uh, working on a bunch of stuff. Uh, Matt Mitchell is now the is now at the reins of the Ghost Snaps project, and we're both on the same page with like, everything, and it's it's really smooth and it's been a breeze so far. But um, yeah, that was also just came like, just a friend, and he was like, "Oh, want to try managing you for a little bit?" And we tried it for a couple months and it worked well, and we're still here. But um, yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah. And music management is definitely like 100% different than just normal being a manager in like a business firm and that kind of stuff too. talking to different venues, like reaching out to everyone. And also like even the pandemic, you started doing management shit with Matt during the pandemic, like approaching that from a business standpoint, like, like establishing the goals is really just a whole different game yeah i feel like that's another thing that i don't see that often that um needs to be more of a regular thing that i'm doing right now uh in my like work on a daily basis and also like uh, i started doing it with the ghost snap stuff that really like right now i keep and i go and revisit it at least once a month uh for myself and then i also like share one with like matt and everyone else that works with me on all the stuff where i have like um i have like a sheet that's like goals for like week month year two years and like five years out and it's just everything it's like every possible thing every possible outcome like massive things and like really small things like i want to tweet two times more than i did last month this month and then like up to like arena tour support like down to five years like just like all this different stuff like and i feel like that's really useful because it just kind of helps everyone be on the same page everyone can like add their ideas to like one place and you can constantly refer back to it and be like all right, well, here's how I can improve this and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so let's go to your new single. So, So High coming out this Friday today, That's which awesome. is when this podcast is going to come out. Great. What are your thoughts? Like, how are you feeling? It's scary. It's scary. It's kind of scary it feels to like put music out there. Cause it's like, it's like with any medium where right now sitting here on this Sunday night recording this, it's like, I, I, I sent it to like probably 10 friends this weekend and all of them were like oh i really like this one but then it's like at the same time like i just constantly go back to it and it's especially tough with like what i said about being six months ahead after the pandemic i feel like right now with like all this music that's going to be coming out now and the next couple of months and all this stuff i'm finishing up now for while we're in this like pandemic state is just like so in a different direction than like what i've been working on for the past like six months here so it feels weird to put it out, but at the same time, it's like, I definitely, I like all this new music that I'm coming out with right now. It's very like, before the whole like album stuff and all that was very like chill instrumental stuff. And right now, everything I'm working on has vocals on it. Uh, it's all like very pop stuff, really, uh, which is cool. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun to kind of like write in those pop song structures and like learn how to write that kind of stuff. But um yeah, definitely just kind of excited to get it out there, excited to see what people think. 
Yeah, no. Um, within your whole entire discography, like vocals are a scarce thing, and like this, very this could be really big. Like you've been doing mostly beat stuff aside from Khalil, but you have a uncredited vocalist on this who absolutely like rips. Oh no, I heard the top one for the first time and I was just like, oh my God, like I gotta do something with this. And um, it just kind of like, it came pretty easily. So that was, there was another one that um, I got a, I got a top one like two weeks ago here. And uh, normally I say like songs for me are very like two, three month, hold on to it kind of process but I got this top line like two weeks ago here and the song's been done for like a week. So like, I literally was just listening to it before this. And I was like, there is literally nothing I would want to change about this at this point, which that was like the coolest feeling. That's I think the next single after this now, cause um, it was just one of those ones where like, I had another single lined up for like being up next. And then this one just came along and I just was like, all right, I like this one too much. It's coming out. Like <laughs> happens like that sometimes. How long have have you had so high in the vault? Like when when did that process start from scratch? Yeah, I got uh, the original demo that I wrote it off of like probably about a year ago now, um, and I was thinking it could be like a like a better places like album type thing, but uh, it ended up just kind of like sitting around, didn't throw it on there. Then uh, I was gonna finish it up and put it out like over the summer, and then holding on to something happened. And then it just kind of like got to December and I was looking through projects on my computer and I dug it up and I was like, oh, yo, this one. And I just kind of finished it. Uh, it took me like I spent December to mid-February. I literally submitted it on a, I didn't think it would be coming out this Friday because you have like a month lead time on the stuff. So like if, I'm, if it's coming out this Friday, I submitted it at least four weeks before on the Friday. And it was literally four weeks ago on, a, on that Friday night. And I was about to like uh, go out and do some stuff with some friends. And I was, uh, I was just like sitting here and I just kind of listened to it through. And I was just like, this is done. Like, I can't be just like focusing on this any longer. And I literally just submitted it right then <laughs> just for it to come out. Like, I think it was somewhere around 9 p.m. And the deadline would have been 11.59. So it came right under the bell there. Coming out. Did you hear that? Or was that just me? No, nah, what happened? There's like a big beeping noise, but okay. Aside from that, so like, you have to start the rollout once you submit it. You have no choice, really. Yeah, it's been a it's been a, a fast process because like with uh, holding onto something, uh, the last single I submitted that one like six weeks, so it was a bit more time, and it was a bit more time to kind of like figure stuff out, and then also with those singles, I feel like it's a lot easier because there's also like Khalil's in on it. And both of us can both like put all of our resources and everything like that. And this is the first single I've done in probably non-album single, like two and a half, three years. It's wow. Are you saying this one's not going to be on the album? Uh, right now, I'm, I'm really unsure right now. Because I was listening to all the demos that I have right now, like um, earlier this week. And I was just kind of like, I could come out with an EP out of all this stuff. But at the same time, I kind of feel like just like doing some singles and saving the EP for like whenever this house stuff can come out. But I don't know. There, there could be an EP. I got to see. I started, uh, I started writing an intro and outro for an EP this week that um, I really like with this stuff. But uh, who knows? Could come out, could not. So with So High, you had these stickers. You gave me one of these during class last week. So like... 
Well, once the rollout starts, how do you how do you approach it? You have four weeks, right? Yeah. At what point do you notify people? At what point do you think like, yes, I need to start grinding out my whole entire marketing scheme? And how do you like lay out what you're going to do when in an effective way that satisfies you? The stickers were a complete coincidence. Um, the sticker company that I work with had a good sale and I was just like, eh, I could do some new stickers. And I was Fire like, sticker. about the design. Thank you. <laughs> it's on the album art, uh, that little bird. Thing. It's literally just clip art that I found that I really liked. And uh, I had it saved on my laptop for like a year now. And I just found it when it was time to make album art. And I just like threw the text in the bottom and I was just like, all right, we're set. Uh, literally the text on the bottom, I think is Arial bold, like 11 point font. Um, and then, yeah, just a black bar behind it on the album. It's the secret of ghost snaps. Yeah, Arial Bold is a solid font to use. If you put it in caps, it looks so nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, though, um, it just kind of like, it just all kind of came together like that uh, super fast. And then from there, uh, really, to, to go really behind the scenes, I, uh, so I've been seeing recently. I can, uh, I can talk to you about this real quick. Uh, a lot of artists... It's, uh, it's a whole thing now where people have always been like sending music to Spotify playlists and stuff like that to get ads. Because um, Spotify has their editorial playlist, but those are like diamond in the rough. Like you getting that is such, mm -hmm. such a low chance with being um, independent. So people have been spending, um, basically spending money on getting added to these playlists. And what I'm seeing now which is really sad is that people are spending money on getting out of these playlists and they get like, Oh, I'm on this 33 K follower playlist and I got a really good ranking, but then all the followers on it are like botted. And then they just Damn. a bunch of fake streams to you. And I've seen like multiple people in the past like month or two, just get their stuff like completely taken down off of like Spotify and stuff just for like paying for these playlists. Cause it's against Spotify's terms of service. But really? Yeah, it's a it's a whole thing. So uh, artists out there, if a playlist ever asks you for money, go through. If you're uh, if you're if you're going to add, if you're going to try to get yourself added to it, um, go through and look at like all of the songs, and look at uh look at the cities that the artists have streams from, and look at just like go do like a real breakdown to see if uh if there's any botting going on there. But I wouldn't even suggest paying for a playlist like that in general, to be honest. But um. Yeah, what, what my next step is, though, um, with the Spotify playlist thing is that uh, I have, like, a list of all of the Spotify playlisters that, like, I've been in contact with for GoSnap stuff in the past. And I kind of just, like, go through and I just kind of think about, like, who the song would radiate with. And then uh, I write individual emails to all of them. I think on this one it's going to, like, 65 people. So I wrote, like, 64 wow. emails that are just sitting in my outbox and I send at, like, 12 a.m. on uh, on friday <laughs> to all these people and then it's just kind of the thing where um you hope that they they check their email still and that they uh they like the song and that they add it to one of their playlists um it's really just like the scary thing about being independent is it's just like it's a shot in the dark like you really don't know what's going to happen from the minute that you submit a song but um you do your best and you you pray <laughs> Not yeah i'm actually pray <laughs> I'm actually doing like a project, the record label project for aesthetics and sensibilities right now. And this is all like really, really good insight. And definitely the playlist thing is something that I've 
seen a ton when it comes to looking up, Hey, like, how do you market music in 2021? Another like big thing was TikTok. Are you planning to take advantage of that platform with so high? Yeah. I don't know. Um, when I, uh, when I, when I first started working with Matt, he was like really, really insistent on me doing TikTok stuff. And I did like two like actual, like spent time on TikToks. And it was just like the thing where like, I like, I like put these like jokes together and I like did all this stuff and I like went like all out into the TikTok stuff. I did one of them as like a, uh, one of them that's on there. It's a, it's a, it's a remix of this one TikTok that I saw that I just thought was so absurd about like, uh, it's this guy who like in a really happy voice, he's just like, here's what it's like when you die. And it's just like, he does this whole thing. I'm like, just like describing like, and then you, and then you see the light at the end of the tunnel and then you like go into the light and you die. And it's just like this whole, just like ridiculous, like so positive tone for talking about just such a morbid subject that I like, I loved it. I just grabbed it. And um, I wrote this like little drop around it. And, uh, and I just was like kind of with some friends and we were just kind of like messing around and uh, we were all like, yo, I, you should like throw that on TikTok. So I did. And, uh, and it was one of those things where like it took probably like a couple hours all told. And at the end of it, it got like a couple hundred plays <laughs> and maybe gained me like one follower. And after that, it happened a couple times there with stuff. I was just kind of like, I don't get this. Like I'm, I'm just <laughs> straight away. I'm going to go to the stuff I'm more used to, more familiar with rather than spending like dozens of hours on just making like weird TikTok content. Yeah. Another thing that people do is like literally pay TikTokers and influencers to actually put their stuff and expose their material to the audience. So it's just like, I don't know if that's worth it or not like 15 seconds of fame i see that happen all the time where like you'll just kind of be scrolling through your tiktok and there'll be someone with like a couple hundred like followers thousand followers like a million followers or something like that just like on your for you page and the song will just be like some weird unrelated song by some like really small artist and you're just kind of like all right so they paid for that placement and i really i don't know how many people like go through those to like go and save the song because i feel like really like the amount of times I've clicked on a sound on like a TikTok video are probably in like the, the single digits. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the thing. I totally agree. Like it's so scarce. It's only when something trends yeah. that it's something like you got to create a whole new dance or a whole new like platform to go with the song. And that is obviously a whole different ballgame. That's like a lot of work. You have no idea what can go viral, what will go viral. It's all about what accompanies the song rather than the sound itself. Yeah. Like old town road was a whole like yeehaw cowboy thing and stuff like that. And like the, what did, what did Roxanne have? That had like a dance, right? Or something. Yeah. Yeah. It had a dance. Yeah. It's like every, every single time you see like a trend around it, you need to like develop a trend like that and it's like it's so hard to think about like what a trend like that could be Richard maybe you just need to get off your ass and start dancing yeah, maybe you gotta start choreographing gotta gotta create something from scratch for this song dude like Emerson cheer team yeah of course you do something like <laughs> like create a like three person choreography that people could replicate some really complicated just absolute <laughs> to do thing that would actually be really fucking funny to do a tiktok trend that's like no one else can do it because it's just like so incredibly intricate <laughs> yeah no like and the the title the subtitle of it is like new trend 
yeah try doing that shit maybe, maybe that's that's what people want maybe that's what people want something so impossible to do that they that they attempted yeah yeah no that's i guess something con- to consider i guess i'd have to try that out wow yeah I, I'm, I'm thinking about it now because i haven't even thought about trends for this i'm like i'm running it through my head right now and i'm coming up with some ideas i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to look into it this week we'll see if you if you see the song on tiktok this weekend you know that um this conversation led to something <laughs> yeah no by, by the time this thing is actually this podcast is actually posted you're already gonna have like 1.5 million plays on so high TikTok, yeah on um, yeah no just on tiktok it's gonna have like 500 on spotify <laughs> <laughs> that's that's oddly how some of that shit works which is so weird it is, it's so weird it's so weird yeah though no uh it's it's just like that's a whole new realm to it i really haven't like fully dove into at some point i do want to like put some more time and effort into it but i just kind of like i've been so in like creating mode that i just kind of need to like almost hit that writer's block period again to like put all that time and energy into tiktok yeah well we're starting to close out this conversation. I do want to ask one last question, and that is, how did the name Ghost Naps come about? It was literally just a bunch of friends and I just saying different words mixed together, and we came down to like a list of ten. I still have it somewhere, and then uh, and then out of those like words, like basically it's like two columns. Um, I just kind of like I I drew the line between ghost and naps, and I was just like, "Yo, wow, so dumb!" But like at the same time, it's low key catchy, and it just like it stuck. And there's still t- there's still days where I just like I'm just like Jesus fucking Christ, why the fuck did I <laughs> fucking name? But then there's also days where like I I love it. It's so it's just like so weirdly oddly memorable. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, when I was younger, like the dragon's foe thing yeah like my username on instagram it, it was so dumb like i used to play runescape and like that involved dragons and then like this was like really really when i was super super young dragon's foe is like a super old thing that was my username at one point and i learned the word foe from like a spongebob episode so i started using that a lot when i was like trying to push my vocabulary and like the thing is I like for that episode i like there was yeah it's called friend or foe yes. like i yes. it was probably a shitty episode I don't even think it was like God tier SpongeBob, but I started using that word a lot when I was younger and then it kind of just stuck. And like, the thing is there was a point where I could have changed my username, like during like middle school or something before I actually like did like social media for real, but I didn't, I could have changed it when I got into high school, but I didn't, I could have changed it before I got to college, but I did not. So I'm just like riding the wave now. Like before it used to be like, people would make fun of me but now it's just like dude it's part of the brand and they're like okay you suck like there gets there's a point where you stick to it so long it becomes like the one that i'm always so glad like chill like so cool i'm always so glad that i like just chose my actual name as my username when i signed up for a snapchat because there are so many times now yeah dude add you on snapchat still and you look at the username and you're just like oh that must hurt (laughs) just like every time you try to add somebody it's just like i this girl added me a little while ago um and uh and it was just like it was something about like 
it was just like it was like a horse freak and then like a bunch of numbers and like x's that's absurd <laughs> and i was like man if i were you i would have just deleted my snapchat and restarted at some point but um i respect i respect sticking with the brand i never really fucked with like numbers or like dashes and the username so like i couldn't really get myself to do that i just wanted to create something like holy original something that i could use for everything without people like potentially having it of course that kind of lends to the the like love love tree like nine six or whatever to these these kids like miss bieber <laughs> 100 like <laughs> literally so funny yeah and they're so common too it's like my god what what a time that was but i always we we evolved i could make a couple hundred million dollars if they just like made it like a five dollar in-app purchase to change your username that'd be so heinous so many people would just go out and just pay the money wouldn't even care that is so true though yeah no i cannot actually funny enough the 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 personal email that i use still the main one that i use i don't know if you've i don't know if you've ever seen it but it ends in web hw and that stands for my dad created an email for me when I was like ten, and uh, it stands it stands for web homework. So okay, I, I'm there with you. I I still email people from an email that ends in web homework, <laughs> and all the time I get what does that mean? And like also like in like business context, and I'm just like, uh, yeah, it's 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 just like a random five five yeah it's fine like uh, nothing oh yeah you're probably better than me uh my username ends with at yahoo.com so oh you're fine. which is which is tough but i before we end this me and drew did make a list of names for you that i was going to drop throughout this interview i did not end up doing it but there's yeah, dick rich ghost naps mr naps which i did use spirit sleep it boo it boo two just plain richard mr lathrop mr ghost naps ghost napkin rich the kid and dr naps wow so i I hope you enjoyed the fact that that's that is a list that exists in my room right now wow i appreciate it i appreciate it yeah and uh and, and thank you thank you for having me it's uh it's a pleasure to go full circle from having you on Ghost Naps and Friends way back to, to being on being on your show here. Bro, you gotta start up that radio station again. That shit was really, really fun. We have we have a show right now. Um, ben Schur and I do every Wednesday night from nine to eleven on WECB. We talk about a different album every week. What's it called? More, Plug that. Radio. Plug that shit. High Rise Radio. It's also on podcast platforms now. Um, so you can you can get it everywhere. It's uh, it's it's a lot of fun. This week we did uh, Daft Punk's Discovery. We've done incredible album. From, oh, absolutely ridiculously insane. Uh, we did everywhere from like Moody Blues, Days of Future Past to like Kanye's Yeezus last season. It's so all over the place, but it's so much fun, and it's just really like Ben and I just kind of shooting the shit every Wednesday night for two hours. So. It's a lot of fun. That sounds so chill. Well, So High is now streaming by the time this is released on wherever you get your music. I already have it like pre-saved currently and it will be on my playlist as soon as that shit comes out. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you so much, Richard, for coming on. This conversation's been great. I've learned a lot about the music industry talking to you in general and this has just been a, a really 
um, mellow extension of that. Um, so do you want to drop your socials? Want to drop those socials? Yeah. Thank you for letting me monologue for the past hour and 12 minutes here. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm on uh, I'm on Instagram at ITBU. I'm one of those rare four letter boys. Uh, and then on Twitter, on Facebook, everywhere else is uh Twitter is at ghost snaps underscore. It's uh, it's also a lot of people always do ghosts naps. It's just G H O S T N A P S. There's, there's no additional S uh, and also ghostnaps.com is where you can find everything, all the links to the music, everything all there. So what's next after so high? A couple more singles, hopefully a couple more live streams, hopefully just kind of like keep collaborating with new people, keep, pushing my boundaries just uh just really focus on continuing just like having fun that's what i'm doing yeah dude i'm really excited with your upcoming shit like this from the stuff that i've heard when we go out like your stuff your new stuff sounds insane so i'm really happy to to be a part of this whole entire journey with you well of course well, that's a wrap on the Prism Podcast. I'm your host, Rodrigo Mariano. My socials are at Dragonsfoe on Instagram. And of course, follow our host channel at Prism Media Official. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you next time. Peace. Peace. <laughs>